to the510.com. Yeah, is this going to suck the whole time, or is this like the only part that sucks? I just want to gauge how much suck I have to freaking sit through. I don't know. I mean, does anyone really pay attention to radio anymore? This is getting stupid. You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? That may be the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You balls have been tempered in the fury of hell's dragon. Stupid! You're so stupid! Ladies and gentlemen, your host, JC. Man, I'm so glad we got that bumper back. I found it on an old hard drive. Welcome to the 510 Podcast. I am your host, JC. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You've been seeing all of these really cool shows. Last week, we had uh, Kevin Martin from Candlebox. And every week, we bring in these remarkable people in the music industry. And this week, I'm excited because I've known this guy for a long time back in the San Francisco Bay Area music scene. Uh, When I was doing booking in the Bay Area, we booked his band Strata, lead singer, author, Eric Victorino. Welcome to the show, sir. Uh, thanks for having me. God, can you imagine? That was um, when we did that show in Sweets Ballroom in Oakland. That was 2006 or seven, I think. Yeah, yeah. That was with uh, what, Plain White Tees, I think. Uh, plain that? White <laughs> Yeah, we got Plain White Tees to do an acoustic for 800 bucks. 800 yeah, bucks, and then next week uh, they launched Hey There, Delilah, and I called them back because we were going to do another show, and they're like, yeah, now it's $30,000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that we have a song that's gotten a billion plays. Right. Um, I'm super stoked that you're here, man. I, you know, I, I, I have all your books. Um, I'm really excited. You're, you're one of the best songwriters out there uh, that, that uh, I think is really underrated. And I'm excited that Strata's back. But I want to talk about like what got you into music and why. How did, you, how did Strata get formed? Um, it, it was like actually t- almost 20 years ago now uh it feels like an actual lifetime ago but um well shit is is even before that I'm, i met ryan in the late 90s uh, in campbell california at a coffee shop um i had just left a band and he had just left the band and i saw him playing a little house party um in a living room of some someone's house and he did this weird delay trick you know kind of a standard you know signature ryan hernandez guitar thing and i just fell in love with uh his 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 touch that sounds funny but the way he plays um just got me and and i I felt like i needed to be in a band with him and uh we bonded over kind of like a shared love of like tool and perfect circle and uh you know when they started out yeah um deftones just kind of like Northern California rock. I, I feel like we had a thing here for that that era. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, mostly, mostly by Deftones and Dredge and bands like that. You know, yeah. like, like early two thousands. And it was it was really like that area because you're in the South Bay of the Bay Area, like the Los Gatos area. And I felt like Los Gatos area, San Jose, and the Central Valley had a different vibe or different feel than say like the East Bay punk scene. It was definitely there was a difference there. Yeah, I mean, we. I feel like we were. The East Bay punk scene was way more about, you know, like just traditional punk ethics of like, uh, kind of eschewing showmanship for this other form of authenticity, I guess. But we're we're we were all about, you know, not being rock stars, but enjoying um, enjoying your time on stage and just kind of like indulging your yourself a little bit, and so. 
when we first started out, we would do things like, uh, you know, make a wall behind the, behind the band of black and white TVs and just tune them all back, back when like there were actual, uh, right. There were, there were things being broadcast on TV. So you could turn on an old television and some random show would be on. And so we'd make a wall of TVs behind the band and, uh, no other local bands were doing anything to kind of like have a, have a set like a production. And I think that got the attention of some uh, record label people pretty early on, maybe too early on. Yeah. I mean, the first record uh, you guys released, what was that process like? Because I'm sure it's different now, right? The very first one we did was um, almost exactly how it is now. Really? Um, we, recorded ourselves um for next to nothing i mean it, it wasn't well it was at a it was at a campbell studio um it was local we did it without a company involved is what i mean and we we paid our you know to print them up and we just kind of distributed them directly to people and it it, it kind of it was ha- like back in those days being a local musician was kind of a lot like what it's like now to you know, be an internet musician. You had a direct connection to your fans and you kind of knew the whole group of people that were into your band. There's a really good connection. And as a matter of fact, I mean, I don't want to go too far off the rails, but I'm having a kid in January and we have a a baby registry that's semi-public and a woman who used to, who just like was a supporter of the band back in the day, she would help us um, pay for, things that the band needed just because she wanted to see us succeed. And she just randomly popped up in my life and, and bought my baby a gift on my registry. And this That's is amazing. someone that, you know, 20 years ago discovered the band or 19 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, we've always had a really strong connection to the people that, um, that, that follow us. One of the tracks off of there is probably what most people, how most, most people discovered you, which is piece by piece. And that ended up in the Punisher soundtrack. Talk about how that got in there. Yeah, that was, um, I'm not sure, actually. I'm not sure how that got on the game. Yeah. Um, we, di- we didn't even know it happened, uh, but we're glad it did. Um, I think that was a time when people were still a little bit reluctant to do things like that, like to use their music in a commercial or to let it be licensed in a video game. I mean, for an art rock band to be included on a, a football video game was kind of weird. We considered ourselves to not be meathead rock or anything like that but um i like football i don't care i think it's fun you went out and toured with that what was that like you toured with uh dredge who i know you're really good friends with uh with gavin and and uh and alien ant farm and a few others but what was that process like was that the first real tour or talk about the first real tour you went out to support this album yeah dredge um dredge took us out uh there's Dredge, Code 7, national tour. So our very first time ever yeah. touring was the whole country. And wow. that's a that's a huge, that's crazy. Like uh, for, for me, I didn't grow up with any money or privilege or anything like that um, other than my skin color. And uh, I never got the chance to go anywhere. Um, you know, school trips, I never got to go to Washington or Paris or any of those like eighth grade trips people take. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have the money for that. So I thought I would never get to travel. And um, the honor of, of opening for Dredge all over the country, um, that's how I think I was maybe 24 at the time, 23 maybe. And I got to, you know, go to like half the states in the country. And um, 
get paid to do it. So it, it was just a, it's a magical thing. You realize how big this country is and you get a new kind of patriotic respect for it because you, it's, it's a wonder that we're, we've been held together this long, you know, a couple hundred years of very vastly different regions of people being all, you know, squished into the same label. Yeah. Interesting. You guys sat on that for a few years before you released your next album. What, uh, what was the delay? What, like, what was, why did, why spend so much time before you released another one? Cause you, you toured on the self-title for a long time, right? Yeah, we did. Um, I've never been very fast at writing songs. Um, I overthink things a lot and then I, I forget my own advice. A lot of times my advice is, you know, you're right the first time, even if it's easy, it just pops out. That's the way it's supposed to be. You trust your artistic instinct in your gut. And then uh, I don't take my own advice with that. A lot of the times I'll sit there and obsess over every syllable, you know? Um, and then a lot of times there's, I just, uh, I think I have a little more self doubt than a lot of artists do. Um, I, I sometimes find it hard to believe that anybody wants to hear what I have to say. Uh, why am I, why am I more important than someone else? Why do I deserve to have a microphone in my hand? So that'll just stop me in my tracks for what feels like a couple of days to me. But in reality, it's a, you know, it could be up to six months, a year sometimes before mm. I feel creative again. Um, and then we are notorious. I mean, I could go on for days about how many ways the industry fucked us and how we made bad decisions and, you know, managers, lawyers, record labels, all these kind of snaky people, rats and snakes uh, that, that we got involved with are um, kind of held us back by, you could probably, they probably spread our career out by, by double mm. and not in a good, not in a good way. You sure. know, when, when it's time to go home and write a new record, they say, just stay out on tour a couple more months. And, mm. you know, cause to them, that couple months could mean the difference between breaking the band, but you could also just like literally destroy the people in the band. And so uh, it got really, really dark uh, towards the end of Strata about 2007 um, for me, at mm. least it felt like a life or death thing, but like mostly, mostly death, mostly bad. And uh, I wanted out so badly. I didn't want out of the band. I wanted out of the industry. Yeah. And then, and then the next project that I started kind of like, you know, found its way into the industry again. So it was almost like a bridge back to Strata, I think. Well, what was interesting is, um, you know, in your writing, you talk a lot about, um, you're, you're almost self-deprecating. But you talk a lot about your own you know, depression, your own struggles with mental health. What I, because I watched that first limousine show. Remember where that was? That was at a, like a little community center down in Los Gatos. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. uh I think um uh your your other singer, I can't remember his or the other keyboardist, Gino. Oh Gio, yeah. G Gio's Gio. brother showed Gio. up uh with like a Lamborghini out front. It was just uh like a lime green Lamborghini. It was just so over the top. It was Oh yeah, no, that was uh, that was nothing to do with us. That was actually <laughs> uh one of our friends that we were working with that was like uh kind of helping to manage us. Yeah. He, his brother worked at a, at a dealership and he thought it would be funny to do that. It was hilarious. Um, but yeah. But the show, <laughs> <laughs> what I noticed the difference between the limousines, that show with the limousines and, and what you did with Strata is like, you seemed happy. I mean, maybe it was just a, a, um, the way the music was. The music was just a happy music, but you seemed happy. And that seemed yeah. fun to you. 
Yeah, and it was really fun to make music that I wasn't like emotionally invested in. That was a vacation to me. Like I spent, you know, much of my, my life just kind of like using music and lyric writing and poetry to kind of explore like the dark feelings that I was having and, and my thoughts that I was struggling with. And the limousines was a way to write songs that were not necessarily even from my own perspective, let alone uh, like being about me. They were, uh, you know, commentary about like very busy people was commentary about society and where we were headed with technology and stuff. Right. And Internet Kill the Video Star was, you know, an obvious statement about like the Internet changing the way the music business works. But and culture along with it, but never in that first album really of the limousine stuff did I ever talk about how I felt. And while that was a good escape from like songs you want to kill yourself to, um, it also felt really empty sometimes. Yeah. You know, do you think people got the message with the limousines? Cause because of the way the songs, like they were more, they were more poppy. Do you think people got the message or do you think it was lost? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what the message was. I, I, if I were to actually stop and think about that, it would just like end me completely like, Yeah. to worry about whether people, I do enough worrying while I'm writing about whether or not people are going to understand it enough or too much. Yeah. You know, do you want, do you want to leave things open to interpretation or do you want to tell people exactly what you're thinking? And if I were to actually also overthink the results and like how it's landing that's that's one of the things that nowadays you know back in the day you put music out you had no idea where it was sure you know uh someone buys a little plastic circle from a store and goes home with it and then it's over you don't know you know no, no other metrics and and right now i can log into our uh, spotify and i can see not only where you are listening to my music i can see your age and uh, your gender I can, you know, it's, I can see what time you listen. I mean, it's crazy, like how the, how granular it gets. And if you want to obsess over it, it'll, it'll destroy you because you sure. can think, well, this song landed this way and then this song landed this way. So should I alter what I do to get that result again? And that's no way to live, I think. Yeah. Um, the new Strata stuff, what, what was the conversation like? Cause the other two, uh, the, the other two guys, they, they formed uh, a side project. Well, Hernandez and Robinson, they went out and formed beta state for a while and worked on that. What, um, what was the conversation like when you guys started talking about getting back together? Cause it didn't seem like it was a fast thing. It seemed like you guys were kind of easing back into the idea of being a band again. Yeah. Um, when we broke up or it wasn't even a breakup, but really it was, it was me. I remember, just standing there in the hallway with all the guys after we had gotten back from our last tour, it was, we, we got home like right before Christmas, I think, uh, 2007. So almost 2008. And I remember just telling the guys, like, I, I love you guys. Like I want to, I want to end this band, um, get dropped from the record label basically leave the business, get all the control back. And then we'll, we'll change our name. Like we can call ourselves like fucking beta state or something. Like I just threw the name out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the idea was just to, to rebrand the band and come back. And I was just in such an emotional, like 
bad place that I'm not sure if I ever really explained that well enough to everybody. And um, I just ended up, it ended up being like, I just, like I abandoned them and and I still feel really bad about that because I never really explained to them like where my head was at. Mm -hmm. But um, when we decided to start playing together again, it was like 2014. It was not, it wasn't very recent. We played a show. We kind of did this like, nostalgia act thing that you're bound to do if you don't have any new material right you know so we kind of have a friend filling in on drums for us and we're still this we're still the same kind of setup like a four piece and we're playing the old stuff and the very first show we did was like magical i mean it felt like the top of old times it felt great uh and then the next one wasn't so great and then it just kind of fizzled out Hmm. because there was nothing nothing new going on. Right. Uh, so we spent the next couple of years just kind of like, just being leisurely about it. We weren't in a rush and we didn't know what we wanted to do. Like musically, like, do we want to, you know, my, my cousin Johnny joined the band. He's a great piano player. So do, do we want to utilize him and be like Coldplay now? Do we want to be like Muse? Do we want to uh, be like Nine Inch Nails and have electronic elements? We just kept messing with different formulas and different setups. And then when we kind of arrived at this current one, which was uh, with our, our old friend Jim, do you remember Super Channel back in the day? Is they were a local a band coming up the same time we were in the mm-hmm. South Bay, and Jim was the drummer for that band, and he played with us a few times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he when he joined the band, it kind of like uh, solidified things, and we started 2020 off with a great. Uh, head of, of, of momentum we played yeah. some amazing shows and we were having like you said with the limousine shows were fun strata shows were never really fun yeah uh and now they are i think because all of us appreciate every second we're up there we're not being told to be up there by anybody we're not being forced we're not tired of it we're in a good place and we're having fun and we love each other and so the few shows that we played in, in January of this year were the best shows we've ever played in our lives. And we were playing new material that, that was going over well. And then, you know, like around the bend is a new strata song. And that was global anxiety as a theme. Yeah. Uh, and my, my feelings of like where I think things are headed and uh, I ended up being kind of right, you know, cause the <laughs> pandemic hit right afterwards. Right. And then, uh, you know, we'll see how the next couple months go, but yeah, um, there weren't really conversations about about if the band was kind of going to, like, what direction we we're going to go in or if we we're going to be doing this, like, are we going to get a record deal? Like, that's just kind of a silly concept now. It's funny. we Like I mentioned before, we had um, uh, Kevin Martin on, and b- the parallels are so similar, right? A lot of bands, especially as we get, and we'll talk a little bit about this here in a minute, but... You know, you if you want to launch a band, a record label isn't something you need these days to be successful or to gather to gain a, a mass following, because we have so right. many tools now. I'm sitting in my basement with a, a recording studio, right? Like these things can be done now very easily. And so when you're looking at the next few years of Strata, how are you thinking about how we're going to how you're going to you know, attract new fans and how you're going to get out there and connect with people. Like, how are you doing that? Um, there's still the tradition of, you know, playing shows. That's our favorite part. Um, I hate, I hate writing. I hate writing 
I hate writing books. I hate writing poems. I hate writing songs. I, I, it's not an easy process for me. Um, I love when it's over and I don't remember all the pain that went into it. It's just kind of like, Hey, this is cool. Like I'm happy with the product, but I hate the process. And I always have, um, I love the live show and that's still the way that I think the best way that you can introduce yourself to somebody. Uh, when we played in LA, uh, last January, we had people coming up and, you know, asking us about the band. They were discovering us that day. Wow. And you could see the look on their faces when you say, you know, we've been a band for 20 years. They, their, their minds are blown. And uh, I still think that going like our, we before everything happened with the pandemic, we had some shows and some tours lined up and we were ready to go out there and spend 2020 uh, reintroducing ourselves or, yeah. or introducing ourselves for the first time. And uh, I don't think that the live show is a ticket to stardom or success or mass media appeal and all this kind of stuff. But I don't think that we want that either. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that we never got it. Hmm. I'm, uh, when I think about where we would have been if, if like, if things had worked out and we were like these, you know, pop rock stars back in, you know, the early 2000s it would have destroyed me at least i, I would have hated it yeah and i'd probably be dead <laughs> like, so. I, I owe my survival to our failure <laughs> well, it's it's interesting that you don't like the process of writing even though you're really good at it one of the things that i like about many of your songs is they tell a story whereas you know like uh, i'm gonna bash on her for a second um i think she's a lovely person but like charlie xcx right she writes these things and she says, if it takes more than 15 minutes, I don't want to write the song. And it's almost like sound vomit. Whereas like if you listen to, if you listen to something uh, that you've written or if you read a book, it, you, you feel immersed in it. You feel vested in it. So while I get it, that it's not a process you enjoy. It, you are really good at it, man. Thanks. Um, and a, a lot of, I, I appreciate that. A lot of the, um, kind of the reason like I, I I get in these sort of manic streaks where I, I get confident for a yeah. second um, I'll bust out a few stories and I'll feel the wheels turning and I'll be like okay I got this and by the end of the day I have a new title and a cover for an upcoming book and I put up a pre-order link because I'm going to need the money from the pre-orders to print the book and my brain starts going and you know that lasts about a week where I think I'm going to get this thing done and then that other side of me takes over and I erase everything I wrote that day and the days following. And I kind of like rethink everything and start over. The more material I've put out, the more I've kind of regretted being as honest as I've been. Hmm. Um, like if I could push a button and the books, every copy of the books that I've ever, they all disappear. I would do that. Really? Um, because I, I kind of feel like the most valuable thing we can have now is, is privacy. Hmm. And I was so, so honest in a lot of my writing that I, I almost feel embarrassed of it. And I know that it's helped a lot of people get through some things, but I, sometimes I wish that I just had never done that. Yeah. Um, like uh, being open about mental illness and about struggles with depression yeah, that's been helpful for some people at the same time. Like 
I feel weird that people know that about me and there is still a stigma about it. And uh, that all factors into like the, the, the scenario I just laid out of like, I put up a pre-order link, people pre-ordered a book that I thought I was going to have done real quick. That was almost two years ago. Wow. The time goes by and suddenly it's like, holy shit, I owe hundreds of people a book. Yeah. And it better be as good as the last two. It better have what they liked about it. And well, sure. what, what they liked about it was you were suicidal at the time and you were laying it all out there because you didn't think you'd be around to deal with the consequences. So, mm. so, so how do you write How do you write something those people are going to like when you're a completely different person and you're, you're in a good place and you're happy? You know, that's the difficult question. I mean, I think so it, it, can you can you still be honest? Like, do people want to read about how happy you are? Do people want to hear a song about like just how optimistic you feel about the future now that you're going to have a kid? Like, that's cheesy as fuck. Like, does anyone want it's that? Not I don't cheesy, think so. man. I don't think it's cheesy. I think <laughs> it it just it's another it's another chapter of the story of Eric Victorino, and I think people are uh, vested in your. Uh, well-being, they're vested in your stories, and I think it would be, I would read it. I, I would buy it in a second because, like I mentioned, you're such a good storyteller. And the fact that you're having a kid is a, is such a cool thing. I think you're going to be an awesome dad, um, and it's going to be so much fun to watch you guys go through that journey. Yeah, hopefully I don't post too much. I, I don't want to be one of those per- those. No, nope. people whose profile gets taken over by a baby. You, you know? will, <laughs> and it'll be fine. <laughs> but uh, it, it's um, when I had my first kid, I didn't think I thought oh, it's not really a big deal because for men, it's a different experience than women. Women become the mom the moment they know they're pregnant. For a dad, oh, dude, I, I I started painting the baby's room. I saw that like literally the day I found out. So. Yeah, uh, and this has been I I had a rough upbringing with a uh, with dads, plural and. My my main goal in life is to just be a good one. Yeah, you know. So, so yeah, I would say that I take the the kind of traditional mom role in this. Like, I'm already in love with this kid. It's amazing, you know? and then then it's just gonna be a rush of emotion when she, when you know when your child arrives. You're gonna see it. Yeah, no, I just just felt her like kicking for the first time. That's uh, amazing. Couple, like a couple weeks ago. When my uh, when my when they were my first son. Uh, we went to the OBGYN. She's like, are you going to cut the cord? And I said, no, I'm not. I don't want to be anywhere near that. And of course what happens <laughs> when he comes out and he's crying, you're a weepy little baby. And of course she hands the scissors and without question, yeah, I go yeah. and cut the cord. But you know, it's, uh, it's an, it's a, it's an experience that changes everything about what you do. So, it, but it's going to be, yeah, I, I think to that point, right, like, right. And I, you know, yeah, that's, that's I've, what I would say. I've been, I've been picking it up here and there with the rule that, uh, of course I'm allowed to edit when I put it together, but, um, to kind of like try to value the original intent. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to overanalyze what I'm doing. Sure. If I, if I think too much about it, um, it's just going to keep falling apart. So I, the, the theme of my thought process this morning has been like, why does it take so long for me to do everything? Mm. Uh, you ask the question, like why wait so long between records? A lot of that had to do with business people mm. just trying to squeeze, squeeze more, honestly, more money out of us. We yeah. weren't the ones with the money, but we were, we were the vehicle by which other people were getting paid. Um, we'd be on tour and there was, you know, five or six people that were making a living off of us while we we're out there and mm. we were not making any money. So yeah. the business was set up to kind of like extract from us emotionally and financially. So, uh, 
yeah, every couple months they'd keep us out on the road. Was another couple months I would need to just kind of recover and and not even think of myself as an artist or a band guy for a little while. Yeah, try to find something else. So let's talk about the future, right? We we touched on this a little bit, and it's an interesting piece where this new album is similar to the way you wrote your first album because you guys weren't on a label. Where when you're thinking about releasing a record, is it? piece by pun intended here but is it piece by piece that you're releasing this thing or is it an entire record or do you think those days are are long gone i i still love when a band that i love puts out an album yeah. i still think that's great uh i don't care anymore um i don't care if a band does that or if they just scored out a song here and there mm. um the way i it's it's funny how a lot of artists and business people will talk about the music listening community as as though they're not part of it like they're you know this is what kids are doing these days it's like (laughs) we with strata we change our minds or i change my mind about how things are going so what we're doing is we're putting out a song every once in a while uh we we put one out about a month and a half ago and now and then we just put another one out uh last tuesday and uh that's how we're going to be doing it for a while just like get the song done put it out get another song done put it out i think when you're a band that has like two or three records behind them um then people are probably happy to hear hear a track here and there like i don't think anyone people are still asking like when's the album coming out Mm -hmm. and that feels so daunting to me i just want to say it's not shut up (laughs) it's not coming out because i thought how do you come up with like 12 more things to say you know yeah some of my favorite yeah go ahead sorry well sometimes 12 thoughts isn't hard to come by it doesn't seem like a lot right um but then other times you know god damn it 12 more songs like i can't make an album i can i can promise a song every couple months you know yeah and maybe that's the way you do it right i mean the things you and i are similar in age so we grew up listening to albums that had at least I did. I, re- I listened to albums that had a story. Like one of my favorite yeah. is uh, Oingo Boingo's Only a Lad. It talks about a kid from Toronto, the whole album, right? Mm-hmm. And um, those albums to me are still one of my all-time favorites because there's you get immersed into it. It's not just about the single or what what's being played on the radio. It's They all tie in together uh, and button into a story. And it sounds like that's similar to what you you like to do. Yeah, the uh, the last Strata album, um, Strata Presents the End of the World, was kind of a loose concept. Um, it sort of followed the story of these these, you know, it sounds cheesy, but like these young lovers and and how they kind of navigate the collapse of society. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that you know you sit down and deliberately like storyboard out this entire novel and then put it to music. Not that sophisticated, but. Uh, following a, a theme, um, keeping a, a theme alive. So I guess in a way we're doing that now with the, the the theme of anxiety, the theme of worrying about the fate of planet Earth. You know, just mm. uh, uh, rats and snakes is very much about what we're talking about. Um, the industry, the yeah. the industry of creativity, I guess, and like doubting yourself and deciding to continue to work for something. And then uh, around the bend is very much about, you know, the collapse of society hmm. and the worry about about that. So I think that's that's kind of what I'll be writing about for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right? that seems 
there's a lot going on, right? Like there's no shortage of things to inspire some sort of commentary on what's going on in society. That's for sure. Yeah. And sometimes um, I think the biggest challenge is not being left speechless by being shocked by what's happening these days. Like if you're paying attention, you're, you're shocked and you're worried and you're scared. If you're, if you're not paying attention, um, I feel jealous and, and sad for you, I guess. Cause I feel like it's everyone's responsibility to kind of like know what's happening in their country. It, uh, you know, not to get too political, but it, man, it, it's just getting overwhelming to pay attention to so much that's going, it's like rapid fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's by design, that's all, that's all part of the plan. Yeah, oh yeah, no, definitely. And, and I'll, I, I, I look back and I go, man, is, wouldn't it be nice to just worry about one fucking thing? Just one thing. Well, do you remember what it was like to just wake up and not think about who the president was that day? Right. Right. Like, uh, that was nice. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it seems they're following, you know, what Steve Bannon said their plan was like flood the zone with shit. If, if you're, if you're doing the bad things every single day, no one has time to punish you for the bad thing you did, you know, four days ago when you've done four more bad things. Right. And it overwhelms the system that, you know, the norms are based on humility and shame and the ability to, you know, the uh, Obama saying like the uh, appeal to your, the, your better angels. Like mm-hmm. there are no, uh, I feel like right now the patriotism would be to really put country first is to, is to think that like, someone who is not bound by the concept of a democracy, someone who says uh, before the elections even happening says that it's a hoax and that we got to get rid of the ballots and there won't be a peaceful transfer of power because there won't be a transfer of power because it'll be a continuation of power. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that if you hear that happen in another country, you just shake your head and say, "But well, I'm so glad I'm an American." Yeah, and that would never that would never happen here. So I have a lot of friends who are on the other side. I'm, I would say I'm a lefty, but I would not say that I'm. You know, I don't agree with a lot of with uh, uh, on the far left. Right. Um, one analogy I like is that on a football field, there are end zones. There's a red one and a blue one, and then the middle of the field is green you know, a hundred yards of green. And I think that most of us are on the field, Mm -hmm. not on the end zones. The, the, the most extreme of us are on the end zones. And I think that we can play nice together. Uh, the people who are on the the green part of the field and, uh, I'm scared for what's going to happen in the next six weeks. Uh, and I, I really just think that it's people, the people right now need to look past, uh, individuals and, remember that loyalty to a flag and a constitution is bigger than uh, yeah. one guy like loyalty to a man is a very strange, scary thing. It's uh, it's been an interesting time. That's for sure. And anytime I, I turn around and think this can't get any crazier, it does. And to your point, you know, um, you know, I'm a Navy vet. So there, there's, all of this is, is got a different, meaning to me this is certainly not what I signed up for when I you know wanted to go fight for my country but yeah well our current leader our current commander-in-chief would call you a sucker for not getting out of it right yeah right you're a fool for uh for being patriotic enough to risk your life for this country 
Yeah. And that's, uh, I, I come from a military family and I, I respect my brother and my, my dad, my biological father for doing something I never would have had the guts to do. And when I hear the commander in chief call, you know, say things like what's in it for them and they're suckers for doing this. I mean, yeah, that's just, it's disgusting. It's been a, you know, I have another podcast that I host as veteran founders and, and, you know, every now and then we get to talk about it, but as veterans, you know, as a, a whole community, um, I don't think we're not, we're not doing enough as a community to, to speak out. And I'm, it's interesting to see how many four-star generals are starting to endorse or, you know, higher ups are starting to endorse a political, you know, a, a president, a candidate, because that 10 years ago, that was not something Maybe it happened, but nobody paid attention to it. It's never, you know, it has never happened. You've yeah. never had hundreds of generals and admirals uh, endorse a candidate. There's yeah. a reason for it, you know. When you have someone who um, talks about how John McCain was only a hero because he got caught, and he's he's a loser because he got caught, um, hurts. It hurts yeah. me in my bones to think about because I I fly a flag on my house just like my grandpa did. You yeah. know, I'm I'm proud of this country. Um, and what's broken me recently, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm coming off as like a downer in this <laughs> podcast. I don't mean to sure have a lot on my mind, but it's all good. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm seriously considering leaving the, the country and I know that sounds extreme, but where I see things heading, like I have been researching, like how hard is it to move to Germany or to some other yeah. country where we might, you know, live in a, in a place where like science is respected and, yeah. uh, it's not run by a cult leader. Uh, I'm sure so you're not the only one. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of shaken to my, to my core about this because I've always been so patriotic. I would, yeah. I would never even think of leaving this place. Well, everything so, that's going on right now is definitely testing the bounds of our constitution and trying to fend the checks and balances therein. Uh, you know, like the justice department just seems to be a, an arm of what Trump wants to get done. The secretary of state is got political aspirations. So, you know, it's just, it's a, we've never seen a time like this where, um, the, the consolidation, the attempt of consolidation of power is happening right before our eyes. And we seem so distracted by other things that we're not paying attention to how it's being done. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be something that, you know, someone will make a movie about and then we'll all understand if it's, if it's not too late by then. But, um, I don't know. I, I, what makes me sad about all this is how much I care for, like, like I, like your first question about touring. You right. Know, when I when I think about touring, I don't think like, oh man, I got my dick sucked so much, or the the drugs were so good, or the, the I mean, I think about that a little bit, but the main thing is this country is so big and so yeah. amazing, and so the people in it are so different, and it's such a beautiful thing that we're we're all connected by. I sound I don't know I, I don't know if this sounds cheesy, but we're we're bound together by like a patriotic feeling and a, and a kind of like we're supposed to be proud of our country and i feel like um we're better than this yeah so when i when i think about what's happening right now i just um i feel bad for the people who are not able to pay attention because it ruins their day yeah you know or or someone is going to hear me talking about you the two of us talking about donald trump and say oh man fuck that band like mm -hmm. i thought they were cool but they don't like trump so i don't like them and like it's it's not about that. Um, I I love the people of this country yeah. a lot. 
and um, and when you travel, you widen that aperture uh, and and start to contextualize the things that happen, right? Like I've been to, when I was in the Navy, we went to thirty countries in three years, and some of the countries I've been to, nobody, no regular citizens going to get to go to, right? Like you're not going to be able to go travel to Karachi, Pakistan, nor nor would you probably want to. Uh, but I've also been to places like Gibraltar where. I got to sit down with a, a a sailor who just you know we talked shop like it's just it's a different experience when you travel and you get to talk to people and and it, and you just shut all the noise out. Yeah, I think it's and an important it, thing. When when a, a figure rises in our system to um, to kind of like lead a school of thought that like at its base is division and hatred and picking sides. Um, these people in power right now are, it's like they're, they wake up in the morning thinking like, okay, what can I do to create more chaos today? What can I do to amplify, um, divisive messages or, or, you know, make more cops, uh, more angry at more black people make, you know, just, just stoke the violence as mm-hmm. much as possible. And that, that's the least patriotic thing that anyone can do is to, to kind of like pit us against ourselves. Yeah. And, and I don't think of, of my band as a political band, but um, if we ever write political songs, it's out of concern for, uh, for our, the people of this country and like hoping that we can all just, um, you know, focus on the fact that we have more in common yeah. than, than our, uh, our, our, arguments i think part of it too is there you know there's a when bands start like strata have an opportunity to to craft songs that bring people together do you feel like some artists feel like that's their their objective do you feel like some artists feel like that's their 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 duty to do uh some people i think yeah they they want to provide an escape yeah um like, hey, I'm gonna make this this song about like meeting a girl at the club and dancing with her, and how like we're gonna make this night last forever, and at least we'll forget about politics for the for the day. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. <laughs> it's hard. It's and, really hard. I I if a song that I write ends up making someone think about something else for a second, yeah, that's great. Um, but you know, I don't plan on writing any overtly political songs. I feel like the national anthem. We, I wrote a song about the Bush administration mm-hmm. called the New National Anthem, and uh, well, I wrote the lyrics to the song. The band wrote the music, and you know, we took a lot of heat back in the day for that because people would say it's not your job as a musician to get involved with politics, mm-hmm. and now you've given half of the country a reason to hate your band and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And um, in in that way, like I feel like. I personally, all of us personally, um, have our own opinions and we put them out there. Yeah. Speaking for the band, um, I could say we're all anti, anti this current situation. We want things to be better. We want people to be, um, safe and we want peace and we just don't want what's happening right now to be happening. Um, it's a slippery like slope to, to go down. Um, when you start to, give people a reason not to like your band um yeah i don't mind saying i don't mind saying how how i vote personally but you know um i i do it's not about giving people a way to escape but um just providing something else yeah you know like like 
and there hasn't been a single day I haven't thought about Donald Trump in four years. It's hard. And I want, I want my time back. I want my life back. Yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So let's, uh, let's pivot back over to the album. When does it actually come out? <laughs> There's no album. Um, we have written a batch of songs. We have deleted that. We've started over. <laughs> really? Um, you wrote a batch of songs, recorded them, and then deleted them. Oh, over the course of, yeah, when I was saying, oh you know, God. I was serious. Like, we wrote some Coldplay songs. We wrote yeah. some Muse songs. We wrote some Nine Inch Nails songs. Uh, Too funny. You don't we've just written put and them... deleted it. Well, we've written and deleted a couple albums worth of material. Yeah, you don't and, just put them somewhere uh, and then maybe they see the light of day someday. Um, I mean, they're around, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the song that we just put out, Rats and Snakes, is my one of my favorite Strata songs. Um, I remember when we got the final mixes back uh, from this guy Ryan John. Um, I was I was listening to it and I told my wife I said this might might be one of my favorite songs and she's like Strata songs? I said no like one of my favorite songs. Nice. Like like uh, I'm really proud of it and I've never said that about a, a song that I'm singing on where like I actually would put this up with some of my all-time favorite you know Deftones tracks or yeah. Radiohead songs. So um but to me right now the idea of like hey right let's write let's write let's spend a year writing 12 songs mm -hmm. and keep them keep them secret for a year and then and then let them out like that seems weird yeah. so right when a song's done right when we get the final mix of it and we make a little video or like we what we've been doing is we put out around the band along with an alternate acoustic version of the song hmm. and a mini podcast. So yeah. me and Ryan sit there and we discuss the making of the song. That's so cool. And we thought, hey, that was cool. Like so for the next song, we did the same thing. But we also did a, a music video that was made from a live performance at the Troubadour in L.A. And uh, in January, the songs that that was actually my one of my favorite shows in my whole life. So those two songs have a lot of extra content with them and we've been having fun with that. So the next track we put out, we're going to put out some kind of alternate version with it and just keep that up because to me, that's more interesting than, yeah, you know, being in the studio, putting together a batch of songs and then like waiting to release it until they feel old to us and then yeah. putting it out. That's that. I hate that. I've always hated that. Yeah. That whole, that aspect of like, if you're really proud of something, you really can't wait for it to be out. And then you got to wait a year for the label to, you know, do yeah. their thing and all that. It's just, yeah. Where, uh, where so. can people find you guys online? I know you guys are on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, but what's your website? Uh, Strata-music.com is the, the site right now. We're kind of just existing on Spotify and uh, um, we don't have a Twitter, I don't think. We, no? we just made an Instagram a little while ago and that's where we've been putting our, oh, yeah. uh, it, that's We Are Strata. There's a clothing there's a clothing company called Strata that's taken all our stuff, and it and it's, and it's funny because it's it's cool stuff. Like I wouldn't mind if they hooked us up with some some free shit because they stole our name everywhere. <laughs> there's even like a, I think there's a startup called Strata as well out there. Yeah, there's someone uh, and there's also like a new type of uh, or a newly popular type of like hops for beer. So there's a bunch of IPAs called Strata, Strata. this and Strata that. So it's interesting. Uh, I don't care. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. Like the band is not just to maybe to some people, the band is a business to me. It can't yeah. be. Um, it's just a thing I'm really proud of. It's a group of friends that love each other in a way that like, you know, uh, 
friends who've gone to war together probably love each other forever because yeah. of the things they've gone through. Uh, the at his base, the core, me and Ryan and, and Harag, uh, we could do this another twenty years, and if we're never uh, we're never famous, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I want my daughter to see me play in a show and think I'm super dad. I'm the coolest guy on earth. And then after that, it's all whatever. Yeah. Eric, I'm so glad we got to do this. Um, you know, I was sad we didn't get to do it when we were doing the 510 radio, but I'm glad we finally got to, to make this happen. I, I mean, yeah, man. We, we've uh, stayed connected all these years. Kind of crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's funny to talk to people. I think a lot of the podcasts have been kind of like going on and talking to people have been uh, people who, make me think about the early days of the band um, in ways I have, I, you know, I haven't really been asked to think or talk about the early days of it. And it kind of just reminds me how lucky I am to have spent my, my, my life doing, I'm, I'm 42 and I'm about to like, my life's about to change drastically in January. And I don't know how much I'm going to want to go on tour right. now that I'm going to have it. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. And yep. I feel really lucky that I spent my time, um, even if it is a small audience, there's a small group of people who I feel like, you know, maybe don't push that button and delete everything from everyone's bookshelves or maybe, maybe don't wish not to be honest with your art anymore. Like if it's helped a few people out there, not a lot of, I feel like, I feel like not a lot of people get the opportunity to to receive a message from someone like you saved my life with your art. Right. Right. You know? And to have that happen many, many times in your life, I, I need to remind myself how cool that is and to not forget how important it is to continue to be honest with uh, making art. So thank you for making me think about that today instead of the president. Yeah. For a little bit. <laughs> I, I'm just, uh, I'm so thankful that, uh, that you're getting back together with Strata, that you guys are putting stuff out, that you guys are, you know, that you're being creative again. And like I said, it's nice to see you smile. It's nice to see you happy. It's nice to see everything that's going on. Cause you deserve to be happy, man. And, uh, Thanks. and I'm just so thrilled to, to be able to do this. Yeah. Just keep making stuff. I, I, I that used to be my advice whenever someone would ask, like, how, how do you, how you stay in the business or how do you keep going? And I think just keep making stuff. So I have to follow my own advice and I'm glad you're doing the same. Well, I'm going to push you and, and, uh, and, and find out when that next book's coming out. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep you in the loop. I appreciate that, sir. Hey guys, you, thank you for listening. You've been listening to the five ten podcast. Uh, we are now on, uh, Apple. We're on Google. We're on Spotify. We're on all the platforms where you can find podcasts. Anchor.fm is mainly where you can find us, but we're so excited you're listening. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the 510 Radio on the 510.com. Any rebroadcast, transcription, or dissemination in whole or in part is strictly prohibited unless given express written consent by the 510.com or its officers. All music played on the 510 Radio and the 510.com is copyright of the respective owners. This has been a production of the 510.com.